DJ Thomas, and you're listening to Frequency Interrupted. Janet Putty Clark, how are you? I'm very well. How are you, DJ? Great. It's, so it's an honor to meet you. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Yes, when ma'am. someone says an honor to meet, I'm like, I'm not sure what I did to deserve the honor, but I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you look very well-rounded and, you know, all the culinary things and, um, you definitely have, you know, made some milestones and, you know, things you have going on. So I just wanted to talk about it. So, um, you know, let's just get right into it from the jump. You know, um, I will preface this and people who don't know you are, um, you are a private chef. You do work with um, celebrities like Dwayne, the rock Johnson and stuff like that. Yes. Um, but you know, all that aside, let's go from the beginning. So how did you get into, you know, the world of, you know, all the culinary arts and then anything in between and, you know, struggles, hardships, let's do this thing. Let's get, let's get into it. I feel like this is so cliche because everyone's starting story. It seems like you come from the mud, but I became, okay. So I was an editor, um, starting out. Like I okay. was on the path to becoming a journalist. Okay. Um, I got laid off from work. I was like 29 years old and I just had a rough year. My grandfather passed. He was my favorite person. I broke up with my boyfriend. I got laid off from my job and I found out I was losing my apartment in 30 days. I found all this stuff out. So I was like, damn, I'm kind I feel like my back is kind of up against the wall. The apartment, I had a few months to kind of figure it out, I guess you could say, but I didn't know what I was going to do. So I said, you know what? I'm going to take off um, the summer. I'm not going to look for a job. I'm going to pursue cooking. Um, And cooking wasn't it wasn't because I had any dream of being a chef. I really was just going after something I love. So it could have been a hobby of swimming. But for whatever reason, I chose cooking. I started making sandwiches. Royal Bank of Canada was my first client. And that was only my client because I had a friend that worked there. And he was like, oh, we'll buy sandwiches from you if you um, doing this cooking thing. I'm like, "Okay, cool. Again. I was not thinking about being a chef or doing this for a living, <laughs> but I knew I made some bomb ass chicken parm sandwiches. So I made them for um, his desk and they loved it. So um, they're down on wall street and like there are food options down there, but I can't say it's food with feeling and soul really. Yeah. So then they wanted more sandwiches. Um, the second time I thought since they were trying to, cut me on my price. They wanted to pay $12 instead of 15. I made the sandwiches smaller because in my mind, I'm like, (laughs) all these guys are rich. Why are they hassling me about $3? So that caused a big thing between my friend and I, he didn't like it, but the guy still wanted my food. So long story short on them, they were also having healthy lunch meetings and they asked the doctor who facilitated it. If I could be the person to provide the food. I started coordinating with her um, to figure out healthy things because the first set of food I bought, she's like, "Um, nothing healthy about this. But I didn't really know much about healthy foods. Um, So then she started coordinating with me a little more. The guys are rooting for me. I wound up making five figures with them over the course of the summer, let's say. Um, Didn't know how to use a knife. I really never, I never made guacamole at this point. (laughs) I hired a guy friend of mine who's also a chef. He's like a well-trained chef and he would pretty much help me out. We started doing food for 60 people. So I'm enjoying this. I'm having a good time. But in my mind, come fall, I'm looking for a job as a writer. After, um, when that time came, 
I realized when I would be on interviews that I was acting a little and I love writing. I'm good at writing, but something about the corporate structure just felt like I was trying to fit in a mold. I mean, now we're at a time where you can be like, I'm always proudly black, but I don't, there are times I have to like kind of tweak how I'm speaking or whatever. So I was like, why do I feel like I'm acting? And then I would go ask friends because I'm pretty well connected. And I'll be like, yeah, I'm looking for a job. You know anything at a magazine? And they'd be like, what's going on with this food? I heard you catered this. I heard you did that. So I'm like, "Uh, I'm trying to find a job. I don't want this labor intense (laughs) job. Months went by, did not find a job. And then I was like, you know what? It does feel like I'm acting. I am genuinely enjoying food. Let me see what happens if I take it seriously. So where things really picked up was I was also um, very overweighted, overweight at the time. I learned about healthy food from my first client and I decided I'm going to do my first juice cleanse ever for seven days. I cried on the last day and someone fed me an orange. It was bad, <laughs> but I did do it and it changed my taste buds. Yeah. Um, so then I started on the path. I couldn't run halfway down the block. By the end of that summer, I was running four miles. I would juice all day, four o'clock, have a snack, around six, seven o'clock, have dinner and have a healthy dessert. It could be like seared apples. It could be like an almond flour cookie. Like I was just experimenting with stuff. Again, I really didn't know what I was doing, but I knew how to make things taste good. I started losing weight. I started documenting that journey on Instagram and it kind of took a life of its own in that way. I also was using the money to hustle, to pay back, um, to pay the debt that I was in because I was losing my apartment because my roommate stopped paying rent. So I had to cover in order not to lose it. I had to cover what she'd missed. Although it had, it didn't have anything to do with me, but the apartment was in my name. Right. Right. Um, I did not get evicted. I became a chef and I lost a ton of weight. Look at that. Look at that. (laughs) Yeah. So it wound up working to my benefit. I think I needed to be pushed to my edge because I had a lot of old things in my life. Um, and it was just time like for me to be where I am today. I had to get rid of a lot of baggage. Yeah. OK. Can we talk about that stuff? Sure. I mm-hmm. like getting deep on these things. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, well, let's go all the way back. to let's go all the way back to uh, you grew up in Brooklyn. Yes. Let's talk Born about and raised in Brooklyn. Let's talk about that whole get from, you know, from there till, you know, corporate world. Okay, so I am. I have um, a sister by my mom, and my father has two daughters as well. My um, sister from my mom's side, we grew up in a house together. We're eight years apart. Um, so there's a feeling like a motherly thing, at least when she was younger with us, and an only child thing. Yeah. Because there were so many years for us, I kind of felt like the only child um, because she was a baby still by the time I was 10. Um, my mother is one of nine. She has seven brothers and one sister. So I get along really well with guys because I was around so many men growing up. Yeah. Um, ton of cousins, close knit family. My grandparents, we all lived in a brownstone, not all of the kids, but my grandparents lived on the first floor. Um, my mom, my sister and I lived on the second floor and my aunt, her children, and every now and then an uncle, <laughs> we lived on the top floor. So it was a family owned brownstone. 
And in the 90s, uh, when I was old enough to understand what was going on, Brooklyn was pretty rough. I don't want to cut was, you off real quick, but I want to ask you something because a lot of people are going to know what this is. What's a brownstone? Oh, a brownstone is a house made of bricks. Got you. Okay. Okay. Got you. And I, w- I would like to have a br- own a brownstone one day. It's my favorite home. Okay. Even with being out here in California and all that. Um, so where was I? Oh, so you were talking about um, the family there and then transitioning from there. Okay. So yeah, the 90s in Brooklyn was yeah. pretty rough. Crack epidemic and all that stuff. But interestingly enough, we were so close knit that I can't say I perceived my childhood as being rough. Although sometimes when I tell stories of things that went on, it's very foreign to other people. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But like I went to um, I was lucky to be um, pretty good at school. So I went to a magnet school, a gifted school um, from kindergarten to eighth grade. You had to take a test to get in and take a test every year. What that did, even though I was only about four blocks from my home, um, the school right across the street from me, kids 12, 13 years old be getting cut in their face with razors. But because my school was based on academics, the kids that were acting out in those ways weren't at my school. So I was like in the midst of everything seeing things but not necessarily living it yeah right um so i had a really good balance my mom very present always like on every school trip with me i took my mom on my senior trip that's how close we were (laughs) um my dad was around but they broke up when i was two so he didn't um he didn't live with us same 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 (laughs) but he was uh very present jokester my father i lost him in august so he's no longer around I'm sorry but about that thank you um but i had a, i had a pretty cool upbringing lots of adventures since i was younger i've always been interested in traveling so this little girl from brooklyn i used to go horseback riding i would go skiing i would go to double dutch competitions because i was good <laughs> i was in karate i played basketball like i was pretty active and then when i look at some of the stories of other people that I went to school with because things started to change once the crack era kind of went in. You started to see kids that were well-kept. They're starting to come to school dirty. And like, you could just see a shift in the environment. And I would say my family did a really good job of just like being there because the only, the reason I know that things weren't right is because when I, the things that I see now, the experiences I see children have now, I'm like, I couldn't imagine having a child and have them like witness a shootout. Like I've done some things like guys that you're dealing with, like, Hey, the cops are around. We have a gun. We need to hide. Like, and yeah. I'm talking about you're in these situations and I'm 12 years old, right? you know? So with that being said, things were rough, but coming from my mom, my family side, none of that happening over there. So, so you just well kept in a bad area, basically. Yes. Yeah. But the area, I would say the area got bad with crack before gotcha. that people owned their homes and gotcha. things. And don't get me. It wasn't Beverly Hills, but my grandmother would feed the whole block. Like I didn't, if they weren't rich by any stretch of the imagination, but I didn't have a concern about money, what I'm yep. going to eat, what clothes I'm putting on my back. My mom also, her love language is gift buying. <laughs> I was like 13 years old. I don't know if, how old are you? 32. 
Okay, you're a little younger than me. But X and O chains when they were out, I remember yeah. Biggie rapping about it. And I had a solid gold one. My mother <laughs> hated for me to wear, even though she bought it, because she didn't want me to get robbed. But I was like, I was a spoiled brat, but I did really well in school. So that was sort of the trade-off. So yeah, the neighborhood did become bad, but I don't think it started. It didn't start out that way. Okay. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So from there, um, how do you like how does it transition you, you growing up and like you get in the high school and you were talking about dealing with overweight? So when does all that start happening? So to be honest, I was chubby, like I was chubby my entire life. The name put put, the nickname put put came from them calling me pudding pudding after my uncle because I was fat. Okay. I never really had a connection to my size in that way. Like usually the chubby girl is like the one being picked on. I always dated the coolest guy, the athlete and that kind of stuff in school. So I didn't have a real connection. And then once I became a teenager, I became shapely. So the concern then was that I was starting to look like a woman. Um, but the weight loss thing that didn't happen until, until I was turning 30. Okay. So that was much later. To be honest, I never really had fresh vegetables growing up, not because um, they couldn't be purchased, but in uh, New York, there are tons of food deserts. You're talking about black neighborhoods. You're not getting any good groceries. And so one thing that my family was good at is making things taste really good. Like my grandmother was a big cook. My mom and I they just didn't have the concept of eating well in that sense. Yeah. Um, so I remember like canned string beans and all these different things. So for a long time, I didn't necessarily know that I wasn't eating well. Yeah. I mean, I can relate to you there growing up. We're here in the South and everything's even the vegetables all out of a can, you know, and everything's got pork fat in it and all kind of flavor, you know, and salt. And and like growing up, I, I didn't know what frozen vegetables were, you know, like if we did get some fresh vegetables, like an onion or something or tomato, it wasn't yeah. like, you know, yeah. it wasn't like fresh green beans or anything like that. So, yeah, I, I can relate there because I had no clue growing up that there was even, you know, fresh vegetables. <laughs> I remember thinking when I would see people out at the restaurant and they would get soup. I'm like, yeah. if you give me soup, I'm feeling like you cheating me out of the meal. Yep, yep. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> so it's just a very different mentality. Yeah. Well, yes. so. So from there you go into so how do you get into the, your your um, previous like career? How do you get into there? How does that happen? So okay, so I went to high school. Um, I got into some trouble, and I'm gonna go back a little. I got into yeah. some trouble in Brooklyn because you can't help the environment you're in. And while I was smart and all those good things, I, I would consider myself to be a little gangster. So if you putting up a <laughs> challenge, I'm here for it. Yeah, yeah. So I remember getting into something with some girls that were in the gang um, the bloods and i remember there being over 50 people on my street to fight and they came for um, my friend and i and um, my mother was like okay enough is enough this is getting out of control sending you to long island so i did my first two years of high school in coney island brooklyn at john dewey and then my mom shipped me to long island with some other family members to finish my last two years i hated being there so much I wound up finishing high school a year early. Yeah. Um, so after that, my mom thought you should stay and get your grades up because you kind of rushed this thing. I'm like, 
Nope. I did all the paperwork except for this signature and other and whatever information I couldn't provide. Told my parents, I'm going to Virginia State, sign it, and I'm out of here. So I wound up going to school, um, to college at 17. What, what made you pick there? I had a friend from high school that already went there. Okay. I didn't do any footwork to see where I wanted to go because I didn't know that I would graduate a year early. And to be honest, this is one of the things that I feel like is a little messed up with inner city schools or schools that don't have big budgets. My high school, they, no one ever really talked to me about what my plans are after high school. In my family, how many? My mom is a graduate now, but I want to say I may be like one of the first to actually graduate from school. You, you, so this was, is tripping me out right now. Like, I'm, I, it's so crazy because I grew, I grew, uh, graduated early because I wanted to get away from home at 17. <laughs> I was the first person to graduate college in both sides of my family. You're tripping me out right now. The similarities wow, we are crazy. have a lot in common. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> um, so, um, I always lose my train. My bad. Look, I, I, the re- reason I call this podcast frequency interrupted because I'm bad about interrupting people, but <laughs> I don't want to lose a thought. You know what I'm saying? You were um, talking about, you were talking about college um, and where you were at there. Yes. So Virginia state went there for a year. Cause my friend from high school had gone there and I just didn't do enough footwork to figure out a better solution. While I was there, I was like, ah, this is boring. Academically. I was like doing shit with my eyes closed. I started out there as a computer science major. And again, I would be busting out my classes and me and the guys would be in the back of the room just bugging out. I'm like, you know what? I'm from Brooklyn. I'm kind of used to like I was partying and all that stuff before school. I was like, this feels so small for me. So then I was like, what's the city that I think I would like to visit? Mind you, never been in either one. I've been I had been to Virginia to go to Bush Gardens before, but Atlanta never been there before. But I was like, Atlanta seems like a place I would like applied to um, Spelman. I got accepted, but because of my timing, they needed me to come the following year because they didn't have any more seats. And I was like, I'm not waiting another year here. Applied to Clark. If I got in Spelman, Clark is, I would say, maybe a tier under. So I knew they would accept me. They accepted me and I went to Clark and I went to Atlanta. I loved Atlanta. Did not go to Atlanta before going to visit the school or anything. I told my parents the plan. I did all the things I needed to do. And they drove my stuff down there. I was so I was so bold that I was like, you guys are driving? I'll meet you. I'm taking the plane. Nice. <laughs> so then I was in Atlanta. I did my last three years in Atlanta. I wanted to actually live there. But I didn't think about a college town has so many colleges all students, unless you have a very focused major or internships, you're looking for jobs at the same places. So it was really difficult. And I was like, I did not really go to college to um, work a retail job. No disrespect to retail jobs. I, it's just not my thing. Right. Like I'm sitting here watching the clock. Um, so I graduated in June by... Hmm, Before New Year's, I was back in New York. But here's the kicker. I moved back. I needed to make sure I had my own place because I was living lovely in college. I got my place. I moved back less than two weeks after I moved back. I got an offer for the job I wanted. But I had sold all my stuff, 
moved completely. <laughs> so they weren't going to set me back up in another right. place. So as just like as a new graduate, I just couldn't afford it. So I stayed in Brooklyn. I started working at a Wall Street law firm um, in marketing. That's what my major ended up being. I kind of flipped through a few things. I had no idea what I wanted to do. And it was in that job. I was speaking to a friend that I had gone to um, 308, my first school with. And she was like, put, you write really well. Did you ever think about um, becoming a writer? And I was like, hmm. And then I, but this is when I just started using email. You know, you're sitting at your desk. The internet is the internet, um, but it's not what it is now. And email is a thing. Yeah. So I was like, never thought of it. But then I kept hearing, you write really well. I was like, maybe there's a thing to it. I was obsessed with magazines, super young, but I used to love Oprah magazine. Like my friends reading Vogue, I'm reading Oprah. I'm like, I'm going to be on a wellness retreat. All these things that I, I knew no one who was into it. Long story short, I started setting my sights on working for a magazine. I get fired from this job because I needed an extra day to move. And my boss was kind of crazy. <laughs> um, so it was a blessing. And then a friend of mine worked um, at a publishing company. I told her what I wanted to do. She got me an interview and I was assistant to the editor um, of Nation's Restaurant News, a food magazine, trade publication. Um, but then I got to be in the environment of writers. My boss took a real liking into me. And so she even because I expressed interest, she let me go to NYU on the company um, to take a writing course. And then they started letting me edit newsletters. And then from there, I became consumer marketing editor at another company. And I had that job as a writer for four years. And that was the job that I got laid off from that then led to food. Gotcha. Okay. You mentioned something about the culinary, um, something writing in the culinary. What, what was that? You said I caught that. So Nation's Restaurant News is B2B, um, okay. business to business, and okay. they basically cover what's happening within the food industry. Gotcha. They okay. were number one within that space. Um, I don't feel like your average person would know. Probably do know about it. That was a coincidence. It wasn't I wasn't gearing towards gotcha. food. Um, I, I really would have wanted to work at O Magazine like okay. that would have been the dream. And interestingly enough. When I was laid off, I interviewed for O Magazine and I didn't get the job. But if I got that job, then I probably wouldn't be here right now. So I think it worked itself it all out. Worked out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so um, you started. So that's that's a wild story because it's always funny listening to how everyone transitions. You know, um, you, you've, you've done a completely 360 and what you, your plans were. And you, are you still writing anything? You still doing any type of writing? So. So um, my website recently launched most of the writing on the I did. Um, I don't write for pay necessarily. I'm open to it. Um, but no, I haven't pursued anything in writing. But like as far as tag, anytime any friends need anything written form, a tagline, company name, they come to me because I did that nice. um, for a period of time. I'm really great at crafting emails to get what I want. <laughs> nice. But no, professionally, I have not written. But one of the one of the ways that it comes in handy is like I need to do newsletters now um, for my site and the pancakes and all that stuff. So I'll easily write the newsletters. Yeah. Um, 
and things that's, like that. So that's, that's your a, creative outlet there where you're using your expertise and, and mm-hmm. you know, benefiting both sides. That's what I was getting yep. at. So got you, got you. Well, mm-hmm. so you mentioned it, so let's get into it. So these pancakes everybody's talking about, I need to know about them. <laughs> <laughs> so the pancakes. So interestingly enough, about five years ago, a friend of mine and I were in my kitchen and we were talking about pancakes and he was like, you need to be the new um, face. You need to take um, the face of H. Mima. And I was like, yeah, I could totally see that. And he was like, yeah, with the break. I mean, we're talking and talking. Two years after that, I get the job um, with Dwayne. So last year, February, we were in Hawaii and I had been making them pancakes since I started the job. But initially, their previous chef gave me her recipe. Okay. And some um, some clients are like, uh, you know, if a person goes to a restaurant and they want that same thing all the time. Yeah. They are a little like that. So they already liked her pancakes. So she passed on gracefully, like graciously, her recipes for everything. And I would make things. Every now and then I'll slip my pancake in. Never really anything. Um, it was like, okay, cool. Yeah. It's working. They're not going crazy about it, whatever. But last year, February, we were in Hawaii. And I truthfully, I was like, I'm going to have to leave. Like, I'm feeling so shitty. I was experiencing burnout. I hadn't ever experienced that. So I didn't know what it was, but I started to not be able to see. But this Friday before I left work, I made the pancakes. And we were there for two and a half months. So I was kind of spiraling. Yeah, I make the pancakes. I come back to work Monday and they're like, chef, did you hear? Actually, his wife said it to me, Lauren. And I was like, hear what? She's like, Wayne said those are the best pancakes he's ever tasted. And I was like, <laughs> what? And I'm feeling so bad that Tuesday I was at the hospital. But that compliment got me through my Monday. Yeah. So thankfully I didn't leave. Um, I was still trying to push through. I wound up getting better. They gave me the space to heal and all that good stuff. But at the time I didn't follow him because I like to have a little bit of a separation between myself and my client, especially if they're a famous person, because you can imagine everyone around them is kind of like, you know, I just like to keep it. If you want to say something about me, cool. But me bringing you to my space. Right. So at the time I didn't follow him. He was sharing the pancakes on on his Instagram. So his following and him were having conversations, going back and forth about these pancakes. I had never known that it was happening. So I guess he told them that he was going to share the recipe and how I came into play is because he approached me so humble. He was like, chef, I kind of messed up. (laughs) I'm like, what happened? He's like, I um, said I would share your pancake recipe, but I forgot it's not my recipe. And I was like, oh, I was like, well, I have something um, I don't mind, but I would need you to attach me to it because I plan on developing a pancake line. And he was like, really? And then he started asking questions like, what's the name? To be honest, I already had all this fleshed out. Simply put, put acronym products you truly trust. And then like, I just had simply put spanking. Like I had everything already worked out from a mental space. And he was like, wow. He was like, of course I would attach your name anyway, but I think that it caught him by surprise. Cause I had never mentioned anything. Right. So 
gave him the recipe because that recipe, um, the formula for the box is different so that people will have an easy one, two, three step to get it done. Shared the recipe and then it just became um, a thing. So then we were doing a video and he asked me while we were doing a video and the video was maybe about guacamole. When am I go? When will the pancakes launch? And it totally threw me up because I was, I was like, what? and I was like, spring 2022. Yeah. How the fuck am I going to get this done? <laughs> so anyway, I've been, I have had that date looming over me. Yeah. Literally. And then from that point, I was like, okay, now you got to put all of your thoughts and your creativity yeah. into action and actually get it done. So well, that just lit the fire. Great. That lit the fire right there. And I mean, mm-hmm. he's already ready. You just needed a little push, you know, a little push. You know, I, I'm a Taurus. I like to when I do things, I like to read things from cover to cover, have it perfect. And I could be a little obsessive. And sometimes that desire for perfection keeps me standing in place. Yeah. So and I don't I'm not a fast person in general, so it takes me time to get to things. But here we are. The pancakes are happening. Well, so to go from there, like if you do, <laughs> excuse so me, you're doing like when you first started and you were doing it like as a side hustle, you know, like we talked about, how does that how do you like you are cooking for someone who is in the best shape of like in the world <laughs> like how does that happen like i mean you know which uh, it's a it's a, like very like obvious that you know what you're doing you know what i mean like so i don't really you if you ever hear me speaking on any videos i don't ever come off as an expert i don't ever say that i'm an expert because when i started cooking i really didn't know what i was doing yeah and um i got accepted to school in paris but I couldn't afford to go because they said you can't work while you go to school. The program is that intense. So I'm like, how am I going to ever be great at this? Everything has been serendipitous. Yeah, that's the word along this journey. So I'm going to take you on a little timeline of all of the connections that led me here. And I didn't ever have a private agent. I, I haven't ever. My branding is the first time I've had a team. Gotcha. So um, starting out when I was just selling the lunches, a friend of mine um, who plays football, who played football professionally, Dwight Freeney, he told me, put, you want to cook? Come to um, come over to this house, make us some food while we pay cards. I am not paying you, but I'll buy the food. I'm like, "Uh, okay." (laughs) So I go over there and I make the food and I book my first personal chef client. Hold on, I gotta rewind, I missed the part. So while I was selling lunches, I had um, a homie of mine, Michael Kaiser, he's the president or vice president of Atlantic Records. We, him, myself, and like four other people go to dinner in New York. He says his friend is coming. In comes Jay-Z. So I'm like, and I handle myself well in all the virus, but I'm like, uh, you need to announce if Jake's coming, okay? <laughs> He's one of those people that can make anybody uncomfortable. Yeah. But anywho, he sits next to me and he was just like, what do you do? And I was having so much fun selling lunches because I used to just sell lunches in New York. Outside of doing the catering for Royal Bank of Canada, I'll just be going around. My friends work at Bank of America Securities. How many orders y'all have? I'm making meatballs today. They have five orders. HBO across the street. My boy works there. 
how many orders y'all have. So that's how I was doing it. So I was like, yes, I'm still I love this side hustle energy, though. I like this. That's what's up. <laughs> I don't even consider it a side. Like, I don't think I have that much hustle. Well, you do. I'm telling you. Because <laughs> I always say like that. I'm but you're like, I, I know this dude over here. I'm going to hit him up. I know this guy over here. I know this girl over here. I'm going to hit them up. Like, no, you do. Like, yeah. Okay. So thank <laughs> you. I always say I wish I had more hustle. No, you got it. I can see. So, it. so we have, so I'm telling him like, yeah, I'm selling lunches. I do that. He was like, lunches. That's like hand to hand hustling. Cause let me tell you. You need to get one. Of, um, he jokingly said, you need to get one of your whack artists, basically saying we're both starting at the bottom. Do um, a listening party. Let her cater it. You book one of them as their personal chef or private chef. That's how you get money. And I was like, oh, I may be doctoring the words a little, but it was something close yeah. to that. And I was like, well, if Jay-Z says that I can be a private chef, God damn it, I'm gonna be a private chef. So it gave me the confidence to know that there was something more. I was totally thinking that I had to go to school. I had done a fundraiser for school, trying to raise money to be able to afford it. Stressed me out. I wanted them not taking any of the money because I didn't meet my goal. And it really was a lot of pressure. I found that earlier. I was like doing my research. <laughs> I, do a, I don't like to do a lot of research, okay? I just like to do a little bit because I want some breadcrumbs because I don't want it to be stale. But normally I like it organic when we're getting all this info, but I'm like, I saw that and I was like, I like it. I like it. I like go fund me. And I was like, okay. It was stressful. I had my first anxiety or panic attack ever. I don't even know that I ever had one again, but it was, I could hear people talking about me. Like you, it was just an energy around it. Anywho. So that happened, but him telling me that gave me the confidence. And then the opportunity of my friend telling me, Hey, won't you cook um, for us while we play cards? I don't know if I would have had, I don't know if I would have willed that to myself had I not had that new inkling from Jay. Like, you know what? I totally can take this to another level from the position I'm in right now without school and all that stuff. So skip to, I do the, uh, the food at their house. Joe Button is one of the people over there. Joe Button hires me as his personal chef. So that was my first job as a personal wow. um, chef. Um, we worked together for some months. I don't think it, I don't think it was a whole year, but it was a good, it was a decent amount of time because to tell you the truth, as a private chef, if you make it, if you do a good year in somebody's house, that is an accomplishment Yeah. for somebody to have you for two years. It is, it's major. And I've been in my current position for three years. It's not, and it's not about necessarily only your skill level. Everybody doesn't want the same food. Like you have your favorite restaurant, but you want other restaurants. Yeah, of course. So it's just one of those things. And then so, and then from Joe Button, now I'm having a little bit more buzz. Now I'm catering more events. I'm also documenting my weight loss journey. So that's attracting people in a major way. Yeah. So did that for a while. And I said, I want to have a food truck in L.A., I had no idea how I was going to get to L.A. Again, I wanted those people to have it, have to have it mapped out, planned out. Stability is important. And food is so unstable that that was a whole (laughs) nother level of stress. So my first, the first client to fly me somewhere, um, she's also a friend, um, but she was, she would live in Arizona part time. Flew me out for Thanksgiving. I had never made a Thanksgiving meal in my life, but she wanted to give me a shot. They needed food. 
we have a pre-Thanksgiving in my apartment. We cut the turkey, the turkey bleeding. Oh. My chef friend that's there, she figures it out for me. Like, we break the turkey down, and I was like, she's like, don't worry, you're going to do good. <laughs> I put it at Thanksgiving, and they loved it. I'm back for Christmas. So after the job on Christmas, um, my friend was like, why don't you just come to L.A.? for a vacation instead of going back to New York. And I'm like, they already got me my ticket. Like, how am I going to do that? I was like, you know what? Okay, I'm going to come. I go to LA, get there December 26th. I plan on staying a month and a week. By um, Valentine's Day, I plan to be back on the East Coast. Well, my plan was to like get little jobs, maybe cook a dinner here for somebody, cook a dinner there. At the time, I was only charging like 250 bucks anyway. Like anybody could pay that. So I do that. And five months later, I'm still in L.A. <laughs> what year is this? This is 2014. Okay. The end of 2014. Within 30 days, I had a job at Wolfgang Puck. And the reason why I needed a job was because um, I needed to learn how to use my knife. Like I knew how to make food taste good. But half of being a chef is using your, is knowing yeah, how to use presentation. Knife. I mean, yeah presentation and you make things taste differently when they're cut. Well, it just, it's a whole thing. Work at Wolfgang. I'm like, I am not going to survive this. They're disrespectful. And this is not personal, personal to them. Kitchens are like hostiles, like military environment. And I'm coming from corporate. I'm a full grown woman and talking to me crazy. (laughs) I was completely like, what is happening here? Because of the way I carried myself, I did garner respect in the kitchen, regardless of how skilled I was. That is a very hard thing to do for most people. But I had to tell people, like I remember telling head chefs, I don't care what it is that you need to communicate. I did not blatantly do anything to you. You will not talk to me like that. Fuck that. Yeah. And like just being that straight up with them. It wound up working out. I worked there a year and a half. They were wonderful. Love them. By the time I left, I knew how to use a knife, but no one understood how I was booking outside events with like NBA players, like people that are pretty well known because of my skill level. And every chef that's stuck in the kitchen is trying to figure out how to get the clientele to do other stuff. And I came into the job with clientele just from my own personal network. So um, did that after a year and a half, I was like, I have to quit because I'm getting used to a paycheck. I was only making $12 an hour. And my friend that flew me out to Arizona, she lived in LA the other part of the time. And she was supplementing like 70% of my income just for me um, cooking for her. Yeah. And so I would balance it that way. And then it was like, what's next? Like there should be more, there could be more. Um, At another point I was doing meal prep services um, from the comfort of my home but I was doing meal prep and charging like a chef, not like a service that you would get. So like um, I went to an agency, they connected me with a woman. I met her. She said, I don't need to taste your food. I get good vibes. She just beat cancer and needed to heal and just needed some healthy, loving food. I cooked for her for a year and a half. And that pay covered all my household bills and all my little side job would be my extras or my savings or whatever. So that was good for a period of time. And then what did I do after that? I went to Bali for a month on a yoga retreat and I lost that client. <laughs> oh, 
And so when I came back, I'm like, dang, it's like dry. So I'm doing little random jobs. But me, I never really had a big ego with cooking. Like I will go work for somebody else. Like, oh, you need a, a chef needs extra hand. I'm there because I'm always in the mood to learn wherever in whatever yeah. space. Yeah. Um. So I'll do little things like that. And then I was like, you know what? I think I'm having too much idle time. I'm going to actually go and get a job in um, because I work for Wolfgang Catering. I'm going to see how it is to work in a restaurant. I hadn't ever worked in a restaurant. So I get a job at the Viceroy. I'm drawing a blank on the restaurant, the restaurant's name. Maybe it wasn't even a Viceroy. Maybe it was El Hermitage. Whatever. It's the Beverly Hills Hotel. I get a job there because I make the um, executive chef. I made him a meal. You basically had to go in the kitchen, pick whatever they had and make a meal out of it. I make him duck. Now, I didn't go to school, so I don't know all of the food rules. Yeah. I make him a duck. I don't score the duck on top. So none of the fat renders. So it is this thick piece of fat, the skin and then the meat on the bottom. So he's looking at the meal when I serve it to him like she doesn't know what she's doing. (laughs) But when he tasted, it, he said. You know, I'm very happy that I didn't come in here with my opinion first that I taste your food because you didn't score it and no one leaves all this fat. But the texture of the skin, the fat, the flavoring, I had made rosemary whipped potatoes, lemon wilted spinach. And then I with the duck, I seared apples with rosemary, butter and maple and drizzled it on top of the duck. I mean, the meal was outstanding. Yeah, sounds I good. Get <laughs> By the way, I've only made duck like five times maybe, but I have like a natural feeling for food. And so I got the job. And then so I worked there and I was like, this is too repetitious. Like I hated it after a while. The people were fantastic. And I was so grateful, grateful for the chance, did not like it. And I'm like, what am I going to do? And I said, again, you can't get caught up in jobs because you haven't really ever had a job your whole time. You got to go into places with an intention. So I was like, OK, I learned a thing or two here. I'm going to put in my resignation. I wrote a resignation letter. I had had it for a week. The same agent that got me the meal prep job calls me and she was. Perfect job for you. And I'm like, what? She was like with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And I was taken aback by it because one, this is not my private agent. Two, this lady only met me one time. And three, every place, the other placement she gave me worked out so supremely. And I said, you know, this is really airy because I've been playing, praying literally for years. I want to be a part of the rock. Yeah. But I wasn't talking about him. I was talking about Rockefeller, Jay-Z. Okay, yeah. And I didn't want to be Jay-Z's chef. I feel like he is an incredible thought leader. So I just wanted to do whatever to be in a room for conversations and learn and grow and that kind of thing. And I literally manifested the rock because that's exactly what I was saying. (laughs) I want to be part of the rock. I'm going to be down with the rock. Um, So when I went for the interview, I trialed for an entire month. The trial went well, but I could tell because they, they they weigh a few things, like how well you get along in the house, your personality, all this stuff. And even my interaction with their former chef, I was like, I feel like I got this job. And it wound up coming down to me and another person, and I got the job. And I've been there ever since 2019. Right. I've had other things happen in between, yeah. but 
Well, I mean, yeah, it's just crazy. Like to hear that entire transition and like how many, you know, you say you don't have no hustle, but bullshit, you got some hustle. Cause like the constant, you're constantly hustling this whole time. And, you know, and it's something that like, it didn't even start out as something you planned on doing. And it just manifested into a passion. You know what I mean? Like that's crazy. So I do believe when you, sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. Go. I do believe when you experience a big loss, you know how people say the sacrifice. Yeah. While I didn't necessarily sacrifice my grandfather, I feel like when there's a loss, there is something big coming on the other side, if that makes sense. And that year, not that I could afford to, but I did it because I cared. I took off a month without pay as an editor to take care of my grandfather because the hospital had done something negligent, which months later wound up in him passing. He went to the hospital for gout. Okay. And then didn't leave the hospital that day. So I was very present. And I feel like that year for me made me into something else. And this is all sort of seeds from who, from what that year produced, if that yeah. makes sense. No, it makes sense. I mean, it makes complete yeah. sense. I mean, people can take, they go through something tragic or, you know, just life changing, whatever. And they either take it and make a shift with that energy or they go the other way. You know what I mean? Like, so it's it's one way or the other, it's either here or here. You know what I mean? Like, so, oh yeah, no, that's, that's insane. Like, well, you were talking about, you know, chefs and in the, in the line of fire and all that, like it, I've noticed this. So like, I, I I'm in marketing. That's my full-time hustle. We have a marketing, me and a few partners have a marketing company. been doing that for a few years now. Um, I was in oil and gas before, and I also have been cooking for years. So I took all my parents, um, my mom's, all the Southern recipes, and I adjusted them with things like gluten-free flour and using different oils mm-hmm. and making the same recipes, but making them taste better. But I wouldn't, I mean, taste, you know, a little healthier, but taste similar. And I would spring them on people without telling them I cooked it different because I've mm-hmm. been this advocate after I finally started getting my life together, and getting healthier. I've been this advocate for, you know, cooking with better ingredients, fresh ingredients, uh, you know, you know, staying away from so much gluten, maybe, or, you know, just all those things. And, and, and people can go on a rant about all that stuff, but um, basically I got into barbecuing a lot and I know every backyard dude does some barbecue, but now I have, it's just happened to now I have a barbecue catering company and it's like a hustle. Are you serious? Yeah, so it's something I, I got up at four <laughs> o'clock this morning. I just went and catered for a hundred people today on a, on an oil rig site. And I was t- I'm tired as hell. And I was like, I got to do this podcast with her because I've been looking forward to this for like two weeks. So, so yeah, but like, yeah, I love it. And it's something I enjoy. And, you know, I said, I hope it doesn't turn into something that's a full-time job because I don't want to lose a passion for it. But um, it's so funny because what I was getting at with all that is uh, putting in context is like you run into these people who are like chefs, you know, and, and there, there's, there's some snobbiness to these people. Like, holy shit. Like, it's just food, bro. You know, like, like, real, like, well, that's how people, that's how I was treated. I don't yeah. have that energy. I'm not necessarily an arrogant person in right. general. But like, even when people are working for me, I always hire people that know more than me and no one can say that I like went off on them. That's a very unnecessary energy in most cases. Um, You don't really have to be that way. Like I remember chefs getting upset with me for stupid stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, it's, I I always had a rebuttal for it because nah, you're not going (laughs) to talk to me like I'm not a whole human here. 
there's so many ways to, to prep something or, or, or cook something and present it. Like it doesn't have to be, you know, but I understand, I understand it's an art form and it is, but every single person does something different. And I've had a steak a hundred different ways. And honestly, 80 of those different ways was great. You know what I mean? Like it, you know, I just, people get caught up in that. Like it has to be done like this. And, you know, I see that in the, I'm linked in with all those barbecue people now over the past year and, and all these people are like, well, it's not, it don't look like this or it don't take, I'm just like, man, look, if it tastes good, What's it matter? You know what I mean? Like chefs get a little irritated for people because of what it takes to become a chef yeah. for someone to classify themselves as yeah. such. No, if you haven't gone through the gauntlet. Yeah. But I remember um, her name is Padma Lakshmi. I believe you pronounce it. I believe she's a model, but she also cooks. I can't think of beautiful woman. I remember her saying like she basically had her own path. It doesn't matter if like if you can't slice something up through the air and just you were saying where you are is perfect i offer this food from where i am and it made me start looking at myself differently because when i worked at wolfgang i was hesitant to call myself a chef because the other chefs their other places just like no i haven't what color what school you went to yeah exactly i went i'm a college graduate um, where have you worked? Um, this is my first culinary <laughs> Other stuff I've done on my own. And so I wouldn't call myself that. But the flip side to it is the people who have experienced me in the kitchen, they like what they received. And yeah. after a while, I was like, I am a goddamn chef. Yeah. Now I don't even think twice about it. Like it's solidified. Well, no, I love it. I love it. Because, I mean, I, there's just, and look, there's a lot of people that are great, but there's so many people that are just like, you got to do this, this, and this, you know, look, my thing is like, if you, you, you do, you're doing a great job, you're presenting a great product and everyone enjoys it. You know, you don't have to get caught in the bigger row of classified titles and all, you know what I mean? Like it just, yeah. it gets redundant at that point. 1,000%. So what favorite, favorite meal to cook? That's probably hard. Cause you probably cook so much, but like everybody's got like a go-to thing. Okay. Well, two questions, two questions. Favorite, like, what is something that everyone cannot resist that you produce aside from the pancakes? Because we know everyone loves those, but something else that may, someone may not know about that's just everyone's just like, oh my God, can you make that again next time you know you're here or whatever? And then something that aside from that, you just really enjoy cooking and then maybe you don't get to showcase it a lot or something like that. So, my whole roasted chicken, it's pretty darn great. A friend of mine had um, the whole roasted chicken at um, Soho House. And Soho House has pretty good food. Chaconis in particular has good food. Um, their sister restaurant. And he was like, I'm kind of feeling like y'all may be running neck and neck with this. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, what? But he's talking about chefs who have been under the fire for a long, like renowned chefs. Um, so I say that to say, I can roast the whole chicken with my eyes closed. It's always juicy. It's always flavorful. And even if it's plain, for some reason, it's always special. Um, something that I enjoy that a lot of people don't know about, salads. Salads, okay. I'm really good with vegetables in general, like at work. I'm, I, like, I use light oil and all this stuff. All I do is when I roast cauliflower, I put olive oil, salt, squeeze of some lemon every time i make it somebody in the house goes 
damn, this cauliflower is good. <laughs> but I also used to work with um, Machine Gun Kelly. Yeah. And he doesn't eat salads. And I remember him on several occasions like, I don't eat salads, but I fuck with your salads. Yeah. And again, one of those things, I don't, reason why I'm not arrogant, I don't know what I'm doing. Salad dressing, I know it needs fat, acid, and everything from there is like a bonus. So technically, lemon and olive oil can be your salad dressing. But my salad dressing tastes really good. My salads taste really good, really fresh. I don't know. And even when I go to a restaurant, in most cases, I don't get anything that matches mine. And right now, my favorite salad, super basic, but little gym lettuce, vine tomatoes, avocado. Okay. The dressing I use is... Yellow mustard, olive oil, champagne vinegar, and squeeze of a lemon, a little salt and pepper. It's so fresh. It feels like a summer salad. It's so simple. I've literally been eating this salad like every other day. <laughs> <laughs> um, but working at Wolfgang, no matter how skilled you are as a woman, like I remember chefs that were in charge, you're a woman, they putting you on salads first, period. Like we do, um, we did the uh, Beyonce concert that was at Rose Bowl. I don't remember which one it was, but um, I was in the VIP suites, um, that kitchen, and there was an extremely talented chef, Chef Michelle, that was running it. I would say all the time, "Why do they just give this girl salad? She's fantastic." But she, what it taught me was, regardless of your task, do it with great like yeah. attention to detail all that stuff. And you're still going to get something great because yeah. I'm fantastic with vegetables. Yeah. Well, people are going to remember that everyone's had a salad, but when you have that, there's a few, like I've had, I'm just like, damn, I'm going to go there and get this. You know what I mean? Like, you know, mm -hmm. you know, you have a good one when you say I'm going there because they have this, salad. you know what I mean? They're, yes. putting some, they're putting some attention on that thing for sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. Well, let's talk about this pancake recipe because I don't know it and I hadn't looked it up. So let's talk about it. Tell me what's in it. <laughs> so they're coconut banana pancakes Okay. and I got the box recipe and the recipe I made for him. I want the homemade first try. I want the homemade. Oh, no, you got on the first try. The box recipe. You're not going to rob me. <laughs> the box <laughs> recipe is some money now. Um, so I did, uh, it's flour. Um, just regular all purpose, like white flour. What kind of flour? Organic. Organic. Mm -hmm. flour, okay. I did uh, baking powder, salt, sugar, but then I got crazy with the coconut. So I did shredded coconut, coconut milk, coconut water, coconut oil, whole milk, butter, bananas, and there are two ingredients that I'm missing. What are the two ingredients that I'm missing? Because they have 13 things in it. Uh-oh. I said bananas already. I don't know. But anyway, that was 11 of them. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I thought of like, what are all the ways that I could infuse the pancakes with coconut? Because I felt like the pancakes, why Dwayne asked me for coconut banana pancakes is because his family had been going to this restaurant in Hawaii and getting these coconut pancakes that were really good. Um, they were nice and fluffy. It had a lot of shredded coconut, but one of the things that I thought I could add to it was 
I want to taste coconut, but I don't want it all to be in a bite. I just want the flavor to be yeah, throughout. Yeah, that's yeah, it's a good point. Instead of just having the flakes in there, you, you yeah. Canned coconut milk is one of the ones I forgot. Okay. <laughs> and um, so I was like, okay, I can add coconut milk. I've never had coconut pancake as well. I'm like, what other things are coconut? Oh, we can do coconut oil, and then we add the shredded coconuts. That way they are coconut through and through and the shredded coconut is just an added bonus. Yeah. Um, made the pancakes and they wound up coming out like they came out really well. And interestingly enough, even with the business, the easiest part for me are the recipes. The business behind the business. It's insane. Yeah. (laughs) I got to look. I need some of these. I'm going to get some from you. I want to try. Yes. I want to try the homemade recipe, but I also got to get a. I got to order a box of yours, so I want to try them out for sure. So right now we are sold out, and I'm. At oh. this, but listen, I'm at. That's a good thing, but I'm at a weird spot. Yeah. So I'm not big enough to do full co-packing yet. A couple things. Let's say I had the capital. If I did it that way, a medium co-packer, two hundred and fifty thousand units out the yeah. gate for the year. You don't want to sit on that kind of product. No, no, I don't know if I could sell $250,000 um, units in a year. That being said, there's no in-between. And this is their very smallest package. And I've talked to tons of people. So I di- it took a lot for me to pack the boxes that I did um, pack. You got to think of sealing, mixing, all that stuff. And I want it to be well mixed so that no matter if you take out half of the box, a quarter of the box or all of the box, you get the same thing. They're rising the same way. And, um, right now I'm just basically looking for to see if I can get like an incubation space, um, to kind of assist with the process without me having a co-packer because with all these different ingredients, I run, Oh, I know the 13th ingredient vanilla with all the different ingredients. I'm running into the problem where everyone I'm dealing with is from a different company. So I got 13 ingredients, right? Um, the box has a few less, but let's say the box has 10 ingredients. That's 10 companies. Yeah. Different. Yep. Um, the insert, the plastic that goes in a box, different company. Yep. The person that makes the box is another company. Um, how we ship it is a different service, a facility to do it in completely different company. So there are all these logistical things. And I listen to tons of podcasts and I just heard something yesterday about compliance and literally you can get in trouble for the font size of certain things on your box. Yeah. And so the um, founder that was speaking on it, she was saying you kind of should not order a lot of packaging in the beginning because you're going to keep seeing how you need to change your packaging. And I just finished talking to my manufacturer about if I should go with the 10,000 units or not, because that's how you make the money make sense. But then I'm like, am I going to be stuck with 5,000 I can't use? Mm-hmm. So there are all these logistical things and I'm figuring it out, but I cannot lie. It is stressing me yeah. all the way mm-hmm. out, but I am confident that I'm going to get it done. I don't have any other choice. I just don't want to hand mix it myself and delve out hundred is well you know what i'm saying like i want to be able to feed the market yeah you got yeah it's like you can't do the 
you came to the small farmer's market to push at this point, you know, and you also, you're not this there is- to do the mass. Yeah, I feel where you're at. Like I work with companies doing packages. I look, it's a whole racket. It's a whole racket. There's so many moving parts and then finding, you know, a company to partner with that's, uh, it's just, it's a lot of, that's not going to take you and for you everything. To- you know what I mean? Like, listen, uh, if you go to a co-packer, you eliminate all of it. Yeah. And it's just like, I, I really feel like it's disrespectful to anyone starting because Kellogg's wasn't always Kellogg's. Yeah. No company starts out for the most part at this. You even want to give your space room to tweak things. You go big batch. You're like, fuck, this is not the formula anymore. Right. Yeah. It happens a lot. So, it happens to a lot of people. They sell out and they're like, okay, let's do it. And then it's not, it's not what they put out first. It's different. It's similar, but it's not the same. Exactly. And had I not, had I not had this platform, Yes, it would have given me a little more grace to throw some powder in the jar and figure it out. Yeah. But I don't feel like I'm in that space. I feel like like I've already invested in branding. Like I've, I've already spent a significant amount of money to get it proper, at least as proper as I would like it to be. And yeah, just working every day to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's all right. I'll make it homemade anyways. I prefer doing it that way. <laughs> you want to know what, though? There are no preservatives or additives in the um, box mix. The box mix doesn't have anything strange in it. And yes, obviously, the from scratch where all those ingredients work. But if you made the box mix for somebody, they would not know that came out yeah. of a box. Yeah. Well, that's another thing, too. <clears throat> You're dealing with, like you said, don't have preservatives and stuff. That means the shelf life is not as long, you know? So, like, that's another important thing, you know, where you get so many units and you're, you know, I know, look, there's a whole, yeah, I get it. I, I really do. Yeah. But, you know, either way, it's it's exciting. It's exciting to hear the transition and to know what you're doing in the day-to-day and also that you have a brand that's, that's well-known and loved and you're just trying to, you know, at this point, figure out where you're going to pivot and what you're going to do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the other thing with cooking is um, I'm 10 years in now and um, it's, cha- it's, it's a physical challenge as well. Like the other day I was in the shower, my hands cramped and I could not control. And it was kind of painful. I was like, this mm-hmm. kind of feels like, I don't know what paralysis feels like, but yeah. that's what it put me in a mindset of. And there's just certain things with my body that I'm aware of that I can't be in a full grunt work of this um long term so yes yeah. and start doing other things and stuff but cooking is taxing it's such a joyous job love 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 it but it is taxing on the body well I've learned a lot today. I think I, I had no idea what we we're going to talk about. Honestly, I always like, I always <laughs> like to talk to people and figure out, you know, where they come from, but like just the, the sheer story and how everything come together. It's just, it's just interesting as hell to me. I like it. I'm happy about yeah. it. And you got that mindset, you got the hustle mindset and I love it. So <laughs> <laughs> well, look, before we wrap this thing up, is there any, um, anything you want to plug anything you want to, um, you know, shout um, out or anything like that? So Simply Puts Pancakes, I want you guys to continue following the journey. I'm going to try to be as honest about it as I can and bring everyone in on it. It is not as easy as putting mix in a box. The easiest recipe part of it is the actual recipe, but the business for it isn't necessarily shaped like that. So I'm just asking for a little bit of grace because I'm impatient with myself, (laughs) to be 100% honest. But from this, I do plan on giving people 
a blueprint to make things a little easier because you really should not have to be rich to just bring a product out. You shouldn't have to be a conglomerate. You should be able to grow into a space. And I just thought we're like supposedly the most progressive country and everything is designed for small business to stay small. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, So other than that, I'm just chilling. I'm on a 21 day cleanse. I'm working my everyday job and I probably won't be into too much until I get these pancakes fully out there. That's what's up. No, that's good to hear. I'm glad mm-hmm. you're doing that too, by the way. I'm glad that you're, you're not only working on it, but you, every, like <clears throat> you're telling everyone to be patient because you're doing your due diligence to make sure it's perfect. And mm-hmm. you're documenting that so you can help people on, <clears throat> when they run into an issue, you know? So, I mean, yep. I like it. It's awesome. Yes. So that's all. My Instagram is Chef Putty. I always, I never said that before. That felt weird. <laughs> you say anything you want to plug? Yeah. Puppy. Yeah. No, I'm yeah. Kidding. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, so nice to meet you. Let's wrap this thing up. And again, I appreciate your time and I'm excited to keep, you know, stay in touch and see what you got going on. And I'm ready to uh, check this pancake, you know, recipe out too. I'm going to have to do it this weekend for sure for me and the kids and the, and the wife. You should, so you can actually know who you were talking to yes. further. Oh, I'm going to taste it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you having me. I am happy that you thought of me and you are just as cool as your accent. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. <laughs> See you, DJ. I'll keep in touch. All right.